Hello there, friends. Andrea with the bangs here and of the She Wonders Why podcast. I have the pleasure of presenting the following conversation to you all. It was, I can't find any other words other than it was a blessing that it all came together. So I had the chance to interview my online pastor, Paul Vanderclay, along with famous or infamous icon carver, Jonathan Peugeot. The reason why I wanted to speak to these gentlemen was because the Peterson Peugeot conversation that took place about a month ago, it really stuck with me. There were things said by Peterson that made me feel like there was something going on, not only inside of him, but within the cultural context. It was like he was reflecting something that was going on on a larger scale. So I wanted to speak with Jonathan about it and with Paul to just flush out my intuitions. And they were kind enough to say yes. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Please leave me a comment on what you think about the conversation. And if you are new, welcome. And do not forget to subscribe. Without further ado, I present Paul Vanderclay and Jonathan Peugeot. Okay, so, so I will introduce you fellas because you holy men, as I call the group. This is, this is, by the way, this is, I, I feel like this is peace coming together, showing that, you know, anything's possible. We have our Calvinist from the iconoclast roots preacher. And then we have our icon carver, Jonathan Peugeot. So, so sorry, Paul, did I even give you a name? Paul you didn't even say my name. Paul Just say my name. Is the, is the iconoclast. Paul the iconoclast, is that is that right? <laughs> Paul the Calvinist, because I know you're not necessarily an iconoclast. Paul the Calvinist, total depravity. And then <laughs> and then Jonathan Peugeot, the icon carver. Although, I mean, okay, you're doing a class. You're doing you're doing a YouTube class, but you you're kind of into the YouTube space these days. And that's what's brought us here today. Indeed. I'm, Indeed, you're like indeed, lady. Get 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 to it. So, <laughs> I'm just gonna. My goal is to just make you, you gentlemen, laugh at my ridiculousness. So, if we if we thought you were ridiculous, we wouldn't have accepted to to okay. talk to you. Okay, so, so okay, don't worry about that. You people watching this gal, I'm not ridiculous. Just so you know. They wouldn't have said yes otherwise. Okay. <laughs> so, the second Peterson wave. That's that's why I wanted to uh, bring us here today. And, and Paul, she has her own. She has her own mug. I do. Really? I mug. only have one. I have two actually. I, I <laughs> Look at that. To, I sent one to Benjamin Boyce as a thanks for helping me out with my YouTube channel, and that's it. I don't have any others. I don't know. I don't know how to sell myself. Get, get Peugeot. That's a good thing. That's a good subscribers thing. on my channel, and then be like, "Hey, do you want do you want the footage? Like, you can put it on yours. That's my that's my model. Who needs mugs? I've got Peugeot. Just kidding. So, so anyway, 
<laughs> Let's get back to business, um, uh, gentlemen. So, the second Peterson wave. I'm I'm quoting you, Paul. Yes. And I I mean it's it's an apt little um, explanation because it it is it is the second coming, <laughs> but it it's it's like okay so watching you talk with so Jonathan Tongue watching you talk with Peterson. I, I'm, I don't want to go into like the, the, you know, you, you obviously are, are friends with, with, am I on a first name basis with Jordan? We all are. <laughs> okay. You're obviously friends. So I don't need to go into the like, Hey, how was that? But I'm, it's more, I'm trying to get what did, what does it mean? The, the interview, which was by the way, a beautiful interview. That's how. That's all. The only way I can describe it. It's, I've never seen Jordan open up in such a vulnerable way, and so it was. Uh, you set the the stage in a very, very like, well, beautiful and, and open way, and I, I want to thank you. So thank you for that. Um, but but so so. Jordan, the way that he opened up and the way that he the the things talked about, it was different. It was different. I've I've watched. A lot of Peterson over the past few years and this was different and and I mind you he hasn't necessarily gone back to that space because I've watched a few interviews of him like you know since you and I mean he seems to just be doing well and and, and recovering and, and you can see that but but anyway the, the point is I to me watching this interview with you you guys it felt like something's changed Something is new. This is the meaning crisis we're in. And it seems like this means something. What does it mean? <laughs> Are you asking That's me or asking I'm Paul? Asking You're asking me. You. I mean, I, I just see it as what's going on now is I really just see as another step in something that has been boiling up, you know, for the past several years, I would say, in terms of let's say a rediscovery of Christianity in certain circles, a, you know, all of a sudden we find ourselves in a strange place where even people that I've seen that were kind of very hostile to Christianity in a very dismissive way, they, even if they're not necessarily going to become Christians, all of a sudden they hold their, they hold their tongue a little more. And so they're, they're more careful in what they say, because I think that there's something happening and, so I think it, to me, it's just like one more step in this process. And Jordan is is playing kind of a weird catalyst uh, role where he's kind of furthering this this movement of uh, of at least a certain type of intellectual that is reconsidering Christianity. You know, we talked about Tom Holland, but there are other people that are in that space and are kind of appearing and coming up. Um, I'm going to interview a, an, a, a novelist. His name is Paul Kingsworth. Uh, Kings North, sorry, uh, and he's the same in the same situation. He he doesn't understand like he's becoming a Christian. He converted to Orthodoxy, but it's almost he almost doesn't totally. He sees that it, this is going on, but it's almost as if it's happening despite anybody just happening. It's it's a zeitgeist. It's a movement in history. So I think that this is this is what's going on still. And Jordan is kind of playing a again a catalyst in that in that uh, in that moment. Okay, I have a follow-up, but Paul, I'll give you a chance to answer. Well, I, you know, I I completely agree with Jonathan that, you know, I sort of 
to Jordan Peterson wave one, and we'll see if there's a second wave or not. But this is the far larger wave. When I when I began to see Tom Holland show up and listen to him, I thought, oh, there it is again. And, you know, in the we're seeing it with some of these high status, high profile people, but we also see it on the Discord server in the symbolic world. We see it in churches. We see it in different places. What I thought was what I thought was illuminating about Jonathan's conversation with Jordan is this line that many, including Tom Holland, sort of get stuck with, get stuck in, get stuck before, sort of waver before, where, okay, we've got modernity. We've got all of the goods that modernity has offered us. And what modernity did was first deconstruct um, Christian ideas about history and science. And then since, let's say, the rise of the new atheists, uh, criticized Christian ideas about ethics and morality. And so someone like Tom Holland will say very explicitly, I, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, but I have to live into the story because it makes my life better. And I talk to a lot of people who are right at that place. And that, that became so clear in Jonathan's conversation with Jordan, that he's he's just wavering right in front of this line, and that calls up a whole bunch of issues. And that I, I think what we're I think what we're really seeing is a we're, we're looking once again at the issues that brought about the Protestant Reformation, and and real issues that were long before it really, and we're we're trying to work through these issues. And most of the ancient options continue to be on the menu. One of the big ones is Gnosticism. Mm. And we're, as a culture, we're working through this stuff. Basically, we're trying to, similarly to what happened in early modernity, where they tried to embrace the goods of modernity without losing the goods of Christianity, now at the end of modernity, we're sort of moving back into narrative without losing the goods that modernity offered. So I think we're we're at that point. You had to go bring up modernity right right away, Paul. I was going <laughs> to save that for a little bit into it. Okay, well, oh, I I well, we'll we'll come back to modernity. Don't don't you worry. But I do have a follow-up with and it, it does a bit have to do with what well what you're both are talking about about so so Jordan being the, the catalyst uh, in the midst of what's already happening. But the thing is, with regards to, to Jordan, the way that his life happened in the past few years, you know, it could have gone that maybe Tammy didn't get sick and, and maybe he, he didn't get this situation where he was given these prescription drugs that ended up, you know, so like he could have... He could have been rock solid in this like no second wave, first wave still going, you know, and but but that's that's what I'm the way where he is the 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 suffering and the broken and the the 
the honest space that he is coming from now it maybe i'm just reflecting over my own life with my own deconstruction and reconstruction yes <laughs> with, with jordan yes so i'm all like mm, but like isn't well everyone's going through this because jordan yes and me spiritually okay yeah so that, that might that might be just him me, me and jordan but it feels like it's not just me and jordan it no feels it like isn't it's a lot of people so that's not a coincidence this is what is the synchronicities it's a synchronicity yeah. the way that the, the 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 down into you said it may the may the the uh the icon of saint michael keep those dragons at bay you that was the, that was the ending you know and and he's go he's deep in 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 the in the valley and it feels like we are with him but not just because he's there because we're there too so that's what am i even asking that's my my feelings and i'll let you yeah with it well i think i mean i think that your intuition is is that Jordan is somehow manifesting something at an individual level that is happening at a larger scale. And that's, that's exactly what's happening. So, and he is paying the price for that. Uh, not always in positive ways, in positive ways too. I mean, he got rich, he got famous, all of that happened, but there's also a price to that. And, and he said it before, like, I remember him saying something like, don't become an archetype because it's very dangerous. And so I don't think he necessarily did it on purpose, but he, 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 well, I think there's some moments where he did do it on purpose, to be honest, but uh, maybe not. To, I don't know if it was totally consciously. Only from a friend. Could, could you, Sorry? Only, only from, from a friend. From, the fr from you, his yeah. friend. You? Uh, and so, and so he's kind of embodying this crisis in his physical body and in his family and in, and everything around him. And so people see this catharsis in him and they're kind of manifesting. It's kind of all, let's say it's concentrating in his story. And so people identify with his story. It's really, it's really like a movie, mm -hmm. like the same way that you'll identify with a character in a movie, that's what's happening, but in real life. And so, uh, and like, I don't want to make light of the suffering. It's a, that's not the point. The point is to just say, this is actually how, this is how reality works. This is how the world, uh, happens is through these types of embodiments and these types of of uh, condensations of patterns into people into into groups into patterns you know and once you understand that there's so many things that that don't bother you so much anymore you know it because in the materialist way of thinking you'd say why would god choose some random people in in the desert in uh you know in the middle east to to manifest and you're missing, you don't understand how the world works. The world actually works this way. Things get condensed into particulars. Uh, and that's why we have kings. That's why we have rituals. That's why we have sacrifices. All of this is part of that. And that never went away. It's still happening. And so Jordan is playing, is actually cond condensing something about reality. Um, and that's why people, that's why he has that effect on people. And so... That's that's this that's the way that I see it. And I saw that back in 2016, you know, when things started to happen around him. Mm -hmm. And I remember even writing to him messages about that particularly, almost a bit a, a bit frightened about what was happening, you know, but at the same time these things they're hard to 
they're hard to totally understand rationally. You just kind of see them happen and you can recognize them as they're happening. So, so I mean, for, for himself, I really do hope that, that he can, you know, come out of the, of the whale and, you know, make the full transition. Mm. Paul thoughts. You're talking to a Calvinist. This is not synchronicity. This is Providence. And I, you know, if you listen, so I was the Verbeke server. I've been hanging out there too much. Yeah. So the, so I was just this morning, I was reading Jonathan's, uh, Jonathan's script for the video that wasn't made about the little Nas X video. And I will be asking. Well, and, and, you know, so then I was thinking about Jonathan's, you know, we, we, none of us can see ourselves. Our eyes look outward. Mm. And so we have to see each other and we have to talk to each other and listen to each other to know ourselves. That's, that's how human beings work. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about Jonathan and his, and the part he is playing. And one of the things that comes through clearly from Jonathan is a very, and this has been true of Jonathan all along, a very anti-modern message where he keeps saying, reality has a structure, reality has a pattern. If you understand the pattern, you can understand your world. That stands completely opposite the dominant cultural message that continues to say the world is is fundamentally chaotic mm -hmm. and there is no structure. And that is embraced because that gives us a sense of autonomy and power that our life is our own and we script ourselves and so, you know, I've had a number of conversations with people who have watched Jonathan's conversation with, with Jordan and have said, why won't he cross the line? And I keep saying, well, I'm a Calvinist. You don't really leap. You get pushed and pulled and carried. Um, that, is, that is the narrative of salvation. And for whatever reason, God, you know, and it's not, you can't, you see, part of the problem of the misunderstanding of Calvinism is that people, and this is something I've learned better from the Roman Catholics, from um, you know, from from um, from Brett, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. But but agency is not Sockled? either or. Sockled, right? Agency is not either or, and that's always the thing that people get tripped up with Calvinism. Calvin was simply echoing a lot of the medieval and the ancient that said our agencies are nested. And so that's that's a better framework to understand why Jordan is wavering before a line and only God knows when God decides to relieve the tension. Okay, wait, wait, and, what, what do you, I need some clarification. What do you mean by our agencies are nested? You, we could not be having this conversation without the agency of Westinghouse, Bill Gates, um, Steve Jobs. You know, the, we are our agency is nested in a myriad of other agents throughout history, and we as individuals like to see ourselves as these free, autonomous creatures in a world of chaos, not fully thinking through what that actually means. Okay. And and what Jonathan's ministry has been, no, there's a pattern and an order. And if you pay attention, you can learn the pattern and the order 
And you can actually, this is where I went with Verveke and, and J.P. Marceau yesterday, with this, with this contemporary idea of agency, it's an either-or proposition. If God has agency, I do not. When in fact, God's agency, it, when I live into God's agency, I have more agency. And, mm. and these are some of the things that we're now, we're, we're, we're coming into right now, and we have to resolve to continue to go forward. I don't know if that made any sense. No, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I probably wouldn't phrase it exactly the same way. But he started off this with I'm a Calvinist, yeah, so I'm, exactly, I'm not a Calvinist. But <laughs> I've talked about this before in the sense that, yeah, let's say, like in Saint Maximus, the Confessor, and a lot of the Eastern Fathers, the way they understand freedom is going only one way. That is, you are only free to choose God. Every time you choose something else, you're actually you're actually uh, making yourself a slave to that thing. Yeah. And so, and then even when you choose God, you could say that ultimately you're making yourself a slave to God, and that's how you free yourself. Right. Um, and so, and so that's how freedom manifests itself. It's like it's not like we're there, and it's not like the idea that freedom is somehow you know you have different types of toothpaste and you have the agency to to decide which one you take. All of that is kind of irrelevant in the the real idea of what freedom is. Right. Freedom is really this capacity to not be a slave to your multiplicity, to your passions, to all these desires that are not bad in themselves, but become bad when you subject yourself to them and then ultimately look towards the light. And so the idea is rather that whatever whatever agency we have is the, just the agency of not saying no, of saying yes to God, let's say. We can't say no. Like it, we, we have the capacity to, to either look down or look up, kind of like the, this image of St. Peter coming out onto the, onto the flood, let's say, onto the waters. Mm. Um, and so, and, so and, and, and I think that there's a mystery that's there for sure in terms of how, how some people are called specially or some people are kind of pulled more than others or, you know, and that's hard to, that mystery is definitely hard to, to pierce. Um, and so in, in the case of Jordan, I don't know, I'm not in his consciousness. Like I don't, I have no way of seeing really what's happening and what's going on. I just, yeah, I can just look at what's happening on the outside, let's say. Mm. And see, see the patterns. <laughs> see, I'm getting the, I'm getting the pattern thing, Jonathan. Um, okay. So no, it is, it is. I think that, uh, Paul, you, you did a video. I mean, you do so many videos, but one of them you brought up about, uh, James and John, um, asking to sit at the right and left hand of Christ and right. Oh man, keep it together. Andrea. I'm like, don't, don't, don't tear up. It's, it's just the Bible. It's, it's fine. It's, you can, you can do this. <laughs> You go right ahead and cry, Andrea. This is okay. a, this is okay. a safe space. This is a safe space, and all <laughs> goes you. there. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. Yeah. No, we can take it back. We can take back safe space. So, so, so he says you don't. And I just looked this up because I wanted to make sure I knew exactly what what uh, Jesus said back to them. Like you don't know what you're asking. And he's like, you will drink from my cup. Like this is, and then all the rest of the disciples are like, 
dare you ask to sit at his bed? That is so funny. <laughs> when you read, like, like the the most intense part is that that middle part. But then as you read, continue reading on, they're like, um, excuse me, what about what about us? Like, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, you guys, you're missing the point. It's not about being elevated. It's being brought low, and that's what you're asking for. And and that seems I don't know what in the world poor Jordan Peterson asked for, but it seems as if he's getting served this cup. And why would we choose that? Why do we choose that? We don't know what we're asking, but we, I mean, we do know. We do know as we we see the picture. We've, we've been able to see the pattern, pattern play out with Christ, right? So I know that, I know the answer but I am, when you see Jordan Peterson and what he's gone through and what he he is living that archetypal pattern, why would we ask for that? <laughs> I mean, I don't think, the thing is, okay. If I'm wrong, please. There, there, there's please, something please about, there's something about how we go about the, in the world and we, no, the things that we say, they have power and the things that we, let's say, participate in and that we invoke have power. Um, and they don't, they're not necessarily always, things don't just go in one direction. And so if you push in one direction, the, things are going to push back in the other direction. And so if you, you know, if you talk about certain things, you better watch out. Like watch if you if you decry certain things in the world, you need to watch your your the the backside of your head because there's a slap coming. Like you you know the the idea that someone who decries something will then be tempted by it, or that the idea that if you if you if you talk against something, it's going to affect you in a certain way. That's just these are just how the these patterns are just there. They 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 that's how it works. And so Jordan talked about talks about suffering, talks about telling the truth, talks about how the world manifests itself through giving meaning to suffering. And so, you know, that's the then that this is the this is the this is the weight that's been put on his shoulders. Like this is the reality that he's facing. And so he's he's in his world. Like his world is laying itself out. The things that he that he's engaged with are are there and he's living with the the positive and the negative of of that okay. you know and we all have that like it's i always even myself sometimes i talk about certain subjects and i'm like you better watch out cuz you you better watch out what you position yourself for or against because those things are going to revolve around you after that well i mean i guess someone was looking out for you when that uh, little nosca got deleted two times <laughs> and, well, it's coming out. I'm gonna out put it up. I'm, I'm still. I. I. I think it was good that it got deleted, because then I wrote. It was improvised. The first video. Right. And uh, and even while I was talking, sometimes I was like, no, this direction is not good. Then I would pause and I keep going and tell myself I will edit it later. So it was actually a good. A good. The fact that it, it got deleted made me forced me to write it, and so I wrote it down. Right. And why, as it's written, I feel pretty comfortable. Except well, I did skip some parts. There are a few parts that I skip when I say, because there are certain things that you can write, but you won't say. Right. Like, I don't want to see myself saying certain words or certain things. Oh, yeah, I read it. I know. Yeah, I and so, so there, are, there are a few parts that I, that I actually skip. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, should we, should we bring it up? Oh, well, Paul did, so I may as well. 
Lord, please keep this recording. <laughs> I mean, well, otherwise, it's a nice chat, guys. It's nice knowing you. Well, you know, I, I think your question is is something that I mean, one of the interesting things about the gospel is that the it's an amazingly honest portrayal of the disciples mm-hmm. by the disciples mm-hmm. of their inability to understand much of anything of what Jesus is doing. And that's, we're that's, all them. We're all them. We're, the we're exactly. Like, Just like you said. Wait, I want to be the one who shares in that cup, though. What's in the cup again? Well, exactly. And and so, and you see this, you know, you see this in John 6 when Jesus comes out and says the most astounding thing, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me, to the mob that is, what is the mob gathered around? They want to see the miracle show. They want to, you know, they want to feel the excitement of perhaps a reinvigoration of Exodus plagues upon Roman oppressors, Mm -hmm. and Jesus hits them with that. And then, of course, a a bunch leave, and Jesus looks at his disciples, and they're like, (laughs) where else can we go? Yeah, that, man, that that text, I remember they made like a, you know, a dramatized version. There's one movie, Jesus movie, that it's all the, the Gospel of John, and I remember watching it with my kids and thinking, this really shows you how how crazy some of the things that he was saying really appear, like just how radical the type of things he was saying uh, would appear to people because we're used to hearing them. Like we're used to reading them and we, we we read them with other verses and we have this kind of general picture in our mind of what Jesus did and his story. But then when you see someone actually saying that to a crowd, like you said, you think, my goodness, if I'd been there, I would have stoned him like what would i what else would i have done like if i was there i would have i would definitely not have been i would definitely not have agreed with him it's only in retrospect with seeing his everything that came after that all of a sudden you it's like it's these light bulbs that flash and you go oh that's why he said that okay that's what was was going on and the disciples are part of that process and it's only at pentecost that they finally it's like all of a sudden everything dawns on them and the the pattern you know appears to them and they're like oh this is what's been going on. You know we followed him for 3 years we had no idea what he was talking about really we just had this like strange intuition and then all of a sudden it all kind of dawns on them and then they get this amazing power from it. So uh it's a great it is a, in terms of the story it's it's wonderful to follow that and like you said we have that we still have that like there's still times when I I, I gloss over some of the things that Christ will say because I just I can't deal with it. I don't know what what he's talking about. Um, and then you know, ten years later, five years later, I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, how is it that I lived with this in my mind without have any any idea? And then all of a sudden, it kind of it flashes, you know. Right. Well, uh, well, I'll go go on, Paul. Well, I, and I've been so I've been preaching, you know, through Lent with watching what's going on in the culture. So you have the woke and the anti-woke. And of course, in my congregation, I've got, um, you know, very politically involved African-American folks, and I've got very conservative white folks who voted for Trump. I mean, I've got all that in my church. And when I'm, 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 I'm walking through Luke from Luke 9, the end of Luke 9, all the way to the crucifixion, and Jesus at the triumphal entry and Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. You know, if only you knew what would bring you peace. Mm. Uh, this it is, it is so contemporary. And I, I don't know. You know, I, 
what Jonathan just said is so right. It's amazing he lasted three years. Mm. It is. And yeah. and so, you know, so I and I look at Jordan, you know, first Jordan sort of, you know, Jordan obviously is has his own narrative that he's working through. And then he sort of becomes the darling of the conservatives. And then he has the temerity to say of the Kavanaugh hearing, well, what Kavanaugh should do is resign it for the good of the nation. And of course, a big part of Jordan's fan base just turn on him. Yeah. And well, and so, and this is exactly what happens with Jesus. You've got people. this culture war around him and he he will not he will not mobilize the crowd to march on their capital, which is the temple. He won't play that. He won't play the demagogue, which they want him to play. But he also won't play the Roman supplicant, which they want him to play. And so he walks through that line and he becomes the enemy of all in a, in a rather Rene Girard way. And the mm. disciples are just on the outside watching this. And of course, there are elements of all of those factions among the disciples. And of course, then one of the I mean, it is it is the most amazing story. And as Jonathan keeps saying, and as as Jordan, I think, keeps seeing, but probably not saying as well as Jonathan, it's it's all right there. And it's it's the it's the most published, documented, discussed book in all of human history and is deeply foundational for our culture, but we can't see it. It's amazing. I, I think there's something about scales on eyes um, somewhere, uh, Paul, <laughs> the, the, the inability to see what's right in front of you. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely something about. It seems like there's something about that, even in the way that Christ kind of promises. He kind of promises this idea that all things will be revealed. It's not like it's already. It's like it's already happened in Him, but it's almost like He's saying, "Okay, I'm turning on the light, and then it's going to start to shine out, and you're slowly going to see it. But you know, it's going to take a while. You know, thousands of years, whatever. But." And so, but this is what, that's what we're seeing. And I think, and I really do believe that there are some mysteries in the gospel that are still being revealed to us now and that are, that are still popping up, you know, also because it's, they're being seen from different angles that maybe those angles weren't so visible before. Um, and so it's, it's like, it's, it's, a, I think that's also probably one of the things about having like a foundational myth or a foundational story is that it's harder to, it might actually be harder to see because you, it's harder to interpret it because you're inside. And so you struggle to interpret it. And it's maybe, and that's probably, maybe possibly one of the reasons why Christianity also has to, to die, let's say. It's so that as we move away from the story, all of a sudden, some aspects of it, which were still hidden, will start to show themselves. And, uh, and, and then everything, everything will come together in the end. Okay. Oh, man, I... Which direction do I go? Because oh, if I'm going to be a Calvinist, I guess I'll just go with. I'm going to be a Calvinist. Do I have decision? Do I have a decision right now? There's there's two directions. That you don't choose Calvinism; it chooses okay. you. <laughs> oh, Paul. So okay, I want to talk about theosis, but I also want to talk about the seeds that you see, Jonathan. So I will maybe let you guys choose which direction you want to go. Well, what what do you want to know about both of them? So okay, so okay, I'll, I'll okay, I will decide now. I've decided we'll stick with theosis. 
and then we will talk about the seeds and I've said it so it will happen so we'll 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 put a pin in the seeds of um the you might not even know, remember but at the end you mentioned about the seeds of Christianity um the breakdown of Christianity is happening currently in the short term but there are seeds that you see that's what you said at the end of your discussion with Peterson um with Jonathan but anyways so that's 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 on the wall for later. But okay. let's go into theosis because that's something that Jordan kept going back to. He kept on coming back to, well, theosis along with the myth being history and re being realized within the human story that is not just a story, it's reality it embodied. And like, why? That, that was... But why should I? Why should I believe this? You know, and and so I and I find it interesting not just that he asked it, but that he kept coming back and he kept circling back in his in the, yeah. the interview and the, the conversation with you. So well, in terms of the narrative, in terms of the narrative and let's say the mythic touching, the the narrative and the factual touching, I think that for me the what what i wanted to do is to just point him to the fact that he already thinks that it he he said it so many times that when he talks about perception and how the world needs uh needs to have a structure for you to even perceive that it's there uh, i know that he thinks that it's just that just like everybody else sometimes you you think certain things but you don't necessarily you're not able to see all the ramifications of what you of what you already think so I was just trying to point him back to that and and to say say that this this doubt that he has it's a it's it's if he looks at his own theory of about reality it it actually kind of goes away because he he believes he does believe that the narrative and the factual touch and it's just that he struggles with what that means because it's like if that if that's real and I know he thinks that then there's everything changes it really, it, the, the effect of that, and I think that's what he also understands, the effect of that is radical. It's such a radical transformation. If you think that these patterns are real and that the world has to manifest itself through these patterns, then it's like all of religion comes right back on the table in a second, everything. All the rituals, the sacrifices, uh, the stories of these demons, these angels, everything just floods right back in to reality. Uh, and that's the door that it's like, it's hard because it, you think, am I going to open that door? Like if I open that door, everything changes. And that's the door that I've been kind of nudging at for the past nudging. four years. Sometimes nudging. being careful not to push people too, too fast. You know, okay. you know, when I talk about hierarchies and then slightly, I'm sometimes I'm like, you know, that hierarchy, it's a hierarchy of beings. It's not a hierarchy of concepts. And it's like, you, you need to see, it's not about Plato. It's about you know those ancient hierarchies of gods that you see? Like, it's closer to that. It's not actually uh, a bunch of concepts. Anyways, so once that once that door is open, it's like checkmate for a lot of stuff about how the world, how we think the world works. Oh, so that's maybe why it's so difficult. But I don't think he's doing it consciously, but I think he realizes, he realizes that it's like, if I open that door, it's it's massive. It's huge. Right. And it, it will also make him lose a lot of credibility yeah. because because a lot of people aren't willing to go there. And then if they're not willing to go there, then they they continue to stay in that kind of atheistic Steven Pinker uh, rationalist mode. A friend of mine uh, called it Flatland. Flatland. Yeah. 
And so, but once you open the door, then everything changes. Um, and if and if the, and those people they won't they won't be able to see, you know, like the Brett Weinstein's and the the Steven Pinkers and all the the the, the IDW types they they won't they won't be able to understand how radical that that change is. Mm -hmm. And then, you, like I said, then you lose credibility. Mm. Paul. Yeah. 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 No, that's right. That's right. That's he's he's exactly right. And, you know, part of what, you know, when I first discovered Jordan Peterson, I didn't know what I was looking at or why I was interested. It took a while to figure that out. But mm -hmm. but Jonathan is right. It's where the it's where the the story verse and the matter verse meet. And Jordan had been working at that for a long time and more than most had been willing to sort of go there speaking scientifically as he already always says but it's I, I think part of what happens and this is the same thing for for preachers you deal with this stuff out there in the world and you sort of keep it at arm's length because it's always on your workshop it's always on your work table but when it's got to be part of your life then suddenly you recognize the ramification, the cost, what this really means. And that's where you say, whoa, I thought I was just going to work, but this is the world I live in. And if I open that door, you know, Tolkien says it, you know, you take that step out that door. You don't know where that path will oh, lead yeah, you. I love that quote. Yeah. Step out onto the road, Frodo. Okay. So, well, and the wizard comes knocking. Yeah, that's yeah, right. He does. Yes, when he oh. brings dwarves and they oh, mess up the so house many, so many dwarves <laughs> i just found out that gandalf was like an actual dwarf in like norse mythology that there's a dwarf named gandalf in yes, norse mythology yes, yes. oh i didn't know that hey, yeah awesome. that would well Tolkien, you should be listening Tolkien to Alan sewell come on, come on. <laughs> you can't no one can listen to all these podcasts it's impossible <laughs> it's really it's amazing that they're all kind of happening i'm excited but i don't see how it's possible to pay attention to all of them no it's not it's not oh speaking of attention oh i wanted to talk about attention too okay well no okay no andrew focus okay so we are going to go back to the pin that I put up on the wall, and I and the metaphor. Well, let's just say I just want to say something about theosis, which is that okay. the, oh, the notion of from you guys. Maybe so, we should get a definition. But the yeah, let's say the notion of theosis or the return of this this uh, this notion within Christianity, uh, it's it's a solution to a lot of problems. Like it's a solution to a lot of problems about why things exist rather than not exist. And and then it actually solves the problem of how things exist as well. Uh, because if you understand it as the notion that everything that exists is always aiming towards a good, you know, and whether you see it through human consciousness or not, you see it through human consciousness, it's easier to, to say that because we're the ones who have these categories, because we're conscious beings, then just our noticing of categories means that they're aiming towards the good and that that scales up and it scales up, and everything is actually, everything is a call onto the good, you know. And then you could say that everything, in a way, is fallen, but even in its fallen state, it's still a testimony to this desire, this call, this like longing for, for heaven, for the garden, for paradise, whatever you want name you want to put on it, but towards the the good of itself, and that, and then that ultimately leads up to 
this idea that we find in 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 the gospel that we are meant we are created to live in the life of God to participate in his life uh you know to what extent that goes is is it can be discussed but the fact of that i think even even like i think that most people agree and that's maybe some place where people criticize me afterwards they said you know catholics do believe in theosis and then protestants tell me yeah we do believe in a form of theosis and like okay fine i'll give you that uh we'll we can argue later but at least understanding that 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 this idea of participating in the life of god of manifesting the fullness of christ whatever language you want to use that's really that's the purpose of why things exist participation with the divine yeah right is it, how close is this to sanctification? Because that's my Protestant um, framework. Sanctification is a smaller category, but it's pointing in the same direction. Okay. It's it's becoming, sanctification is becoming holy. Well, who is holy, holy, holy? Right. So, and Jonathan's exactly right. I mean, afterwards, the Roman Catholics are like, hey, wait a minute. And the Protestants are like, hey, wait a minute. I mean, and even yesterday, again, I, it was an amazing conversation we had with JP and, and Jonathan, John Verveke. Because this is what we were knocking at. You know, it, it's remarkably difficult when you sit people down and say, what do you want? People don't know because we're fragmented. And what we really want is everything, which means what we really want is God. Yeah. That's what we really want. And we are, Augustine said it, you know, our hearts are restless until they're satisfied with him. And so this is... And, and the, the, the purpose of Christ's incarnation, JP wrote that so beautifully in that blog, the purpose of the incarnation is, as Lewis said in his book, Miracles, to come down and to bring us all up with him. Mm. And that's Christianity. And, you know, in the conversation we had yesterday where, you know, we're talking, people are always coming to me with, you know, mystical experiences from meditation or psychedelics or something like that. And I keep telling them if you're sitting there having an experience that remains inadequate because Christ will not rest, and the Bible says this, until all things mm. are subject to him, until uh, until he is all in all, and then he turns over the kingdom to the Father. And that's what that's what Paul says. And yeah. so that's that's Christianity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It is. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me a little bit of um, Jonathan when you were bringing up about how the the dying God and resurrection story that you were like, well, that's not really Christ actually because it's it's he defeats death with death and that's and then he saves us from death and that's it. Well, it's the ultimate version. It's like you can't, in a narrative way, this is what Christ does in so much of his story is that in a narrative manner, you can't go beyond the story that Christ manifests. And it's, there are so many examples of that in his story, and that's one. It's like, it's like, okay, yeah, he is the dying and resurrecting God. Yes, he is. But then tell another story after his story. There's no other story to tell because he, he ends it. He ends that process by, by defeating death itself. Like, okay, so you could say, well, you know, he could have been someone else or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, what are you talking about? That's where that story happened. And that there is no other version of that story. Uh, that's the story. That's it. Like that's where it happened. And it's the same with so many things. Like you can imagine a scapegoat, but then you can you imagine a scapegoat that is betrayed by his own people, by the foreigners, by his own disciples, uh, 
you know, it's like, what other categories are there? And, and, and who is abandoned by God, even on the, on, on the cross. And so it's like, at some point you reach a limit where it's like, there are no more categories left. You know, the, the, there's, there's just none left. Is and it, so is it the pattern that's ultimately revealed in the story of like the ultimate, the, all that's what I think it? the, it's the ultimate pattern is re revealed in the story of Christ. And that's why, like when, when people say, say something like, you know, you need to look at the Old Testament through Christ. And then, you know, the scholar will scoff at you and think, you know, you're being idiosyncratic. You're being, you know, you're not paying attention to the historical details, but it, it's more than that. There's something more than that, which is that recognizing in the story of Christ how he reaches the limit of the possibility of story and then realizing that that's it, like that's the ultimate version of the universal pattern then of course you're going to use that as a lens to look at other stories. It's like he gave you a key, and and then you're, I'm going to use that key. That would be stupid not to anymore. Yeah, it's stupid, people, to not use the key. <laughs> well, and, and I think part of, part of what's exciting to me that's happening is that, you know, as Jonathan, again, so uh, so wonderfully continues to elaborate, you know, there's a fractal pattern to the universe, that, that there's little patterns and they just grow bigger and the pattern continues to manifest as it scales. And, you know, so I'm watching all of this talk in the YouTube space about storytelling and there's just crisis in storytelling because they keep they, they keep wanting to say, okay, yeah, Christianity, blah, 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 blah. We need a new story and they can't get beyond it. And so they and and I I'm it's my personal mission to run uh, parasitic storytelling. Jonathan's video up over a million views. And if I got to do it myself, I will. I saw um, Twitter. I saw you posted like, guys, it doesn't get old. Because because what he points out there is sort of so Jordan Peterson sort of uses meaning as this little gyroscope within the iron box of secularism. It says, you know, you can you can learn something about the direction you need to go by following meaning. That's a really important insight, but it's limited. And what I think Jonathan gets at in that parasitic storytelling video is a very similar thing by noting that story itself and, and many other people have made this point before, but story itself bears witness to the storyteller of existence. And if you pay close enough attention, you'll begin to see it. And that's a, to me, that's a power. So I'm a preacher. Okay. And that's a no, powerful really? evangelistic tool. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Comes as a surprise, right? So, so that's that's why I when you know when I saw when I saw that video of Jonathan's, it was like, oh wow, lights really came on all over the place. And this this idea that and again, it's so parallel to Jordan because Jordan kept saying, "You're not going to rewrite a fairy tale." And and part of what Jordan opened up for me is Jordan basically said, "Hey, you know, it's not just built into this." This this thing we call culture, because I mean, culture has been dealing with pluralism. It's actually a level beneath it. It's all reality. And so you're not going to get away from this. And of course, you say that and people are like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, well, they well they try and then they end up manifesting just the upside down of Christianity. That's what they end up manifesting. And so it's actually I think that we're actually in a um, we're in a, we're in an interesting moment, because even when I was young, you know, when you had this idea, let's say, of uh, 
when you think of like this idea of, of, of a satanic of a satanic hierarchy, you know, and you think, why would that happen? Like, why would anybody want that? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's like there's something about it which is kind of arbitrary. But then once you realize that in the very desire to tell a new story, because you're in the you're in the pattern, the only thing you can do is look away from the center, look toward the margin, and then start to 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 manifest just the upside down of that story. And then it creates these upside down hierarchies, this upside down uh, scapegoating. All of this is kind of the the last possible story. Um, and I think René Girard even mentioned that explicitly. He said, he said once, you're, once the story of Christ gets revealed and it enters into culture, there's only two possibilities. There's only Christ or Antichrist. And you can't, you if you try to get away from Christ, you're just moving towards towards Antichrist and you can, Point it out and say this is why this is antichrist, and it's not it's not arbitrary. It's totally part of the story. It's just it's just the it's still playing out. Let's say. Well, it brings up what you wrote uh, the the article you wrote about you guys. I don't even Lil Nas. I don't know anything current. <laughs> like I've got three little boys, and so I'm I'm so behind the times. So you both You're not instructing like, them in in, in little Nas <laughs> X oh culture. I know I'm like, shocked. Culture? Come yeah. on. Like what's going on with the, in the world of rap? Is it even rap? I don't know. Anyway, so regardless, we're not talking about my lack of, of current knowledge of, of uh the music industry. What the point is that is what it was that that's manifest in directly in that video. Like what you just described is in that video. And it, it's the self, like what what you ultimately like. Hey guys, you don't have to go read it. I just explained it. It's it points to pride and the self and basically Satan falling. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, it's it's it's, really it's, it's a it's this is what's interesting. It, I mean, it's really fascinating. I it, it's weird to be fascinated by by watching it happen. It's like you 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 realize that you wouldn't think that you would get to a point where people would openly celebrate. Let's say satanic values like they would just openly celebrate them pride revolution uh idiosyncrasy and uh and the idea that the whole world has to be molded to my will and my desires like you think how can you know my grandparents could not have imagined that such a world would come about uh and now we're just seeing it's right there in front of us it's happening and and so we so what what else can we do just point to it and say this is it. Like this is this is the story. This is what's happening. Uh, just be aware that, that that's what's going on. Be aware, Andrea. Be aware because you didn't even know this video existed apart from Jonathan. Well, it's mostly about it's mostly about like in the '80s we had these pastors that told us about hidden messages and right. Why you don't need hidden messages? It's like yeah, people tell you what people hidden. just tell you what they're doing. They're not hiding it. They're just they're telling you. Sophisticated. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. my my impression was somebody sent that to me, and my first impression was exactly like Jonathan's. I thought, yeah, yeah okay. Um, and evangelicals <laughs> are going to throw a big fat, and you're going to feel validated and vindicated because yeah. evangelicals threw it. It's just a food fight. Yeah. But then I watched, and it was like, wow. <laughs> it's another level. It was like another level of of this pattern kind of kind of happening. So right, right. Okay. Yeah, it, well, when I was watching it and the snake wasn't feminine, it was just this dude. This it was just him, him, same guy. himself. Yeah, yeah, himself. himself, which was astounding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That I wasn't 
ready for that. No, but you have to you have to read even the people praising the video, saying what's amazing about this video is that it really is a beautiful celebration of self-love. Yes, that's exactly That's right. exactly what you're saying. And oh, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. It's a celebration of self-love. Exactly and people are writing that like they're they're happy. They're like, finally, someone who says you don't actually need someone else, you know, to complete you, it, you just can love yourself. And take over hell in the process. That's right. <laughs> so it's, that's what I'm saying. It's like people are not hiding what they're doing. They're telling you straight up. Uh, wow. they, I, I believe they don't understand the the ramifications of their position. They don't understand what that means and what it's gonna do. And 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 like I said in the, the article that, yeah, if you get on that process, that means that there's someone behind you coming for you as well. Like that's mm -hmm. that's just part of, and even in yourself, it's like you give into, you give, you give kingship to a desire inside yourself and you submit yourself to that. There's another one coming that's darker and more enslaving that's going to come topple that one as well. It's like once you enter into that weird revolutionary thing where you submit yourself to a to a, a fragment of yourself or to a, a part of your desires, then it doesn't end there. It gets worse. Like and you can see it like the the porn addiction is like the most the most uh, visible vision of that in in reality now, which is that it starts with this idea that we're going to liberate sexuality and it ends with someone who can't have sex anymore and is enslaved to some weird fetishistic thing and can't even be aroused without some strange aberration of the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a total slave to this really idiosyncratic thing. But that was like through a process of revolutions and a process of giving in to these desires, giving in, giving in, giving in to a point where you're a complete slave. Mm -hmm. So who, what are you going to be a slave to, folks? Yeah, who are you going to serve? <laughs> Only two choices. That's right. Are you going to slave to the infinite? Are, are the infinite loving God? Like, even if you say you don't believe in that, then it, even if you can, you say you don't believe in that, at least you can put those categories up there. And you can say, okay, so there's this infinite loving God, and then there's some weird fetishistic thing on Pornhub. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what am I going to be a slave to? Or drugs or whatever it is that yeah. people kind of end up being slaves to. Uh, and I've used that because it's the most prominent on the internet, but it's like there are many things that you can become a slave to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, uh, Paul, yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, okay, so so this actually, I'm going to bring this up. I don't know if it's related, but but kind of. Okay, so, so Red Skull... The situation oh, with uh, Peterson, and I know, sir, I, I know it's Peterson again, and like I, I can't get away. We can't get away from the the poor guy. Like him, <laughs> him being sorry. I keep saying poor guy. He he is blessed in a way because consider it to join my brothers whenever we face trials of any kind because we it refines our faith. Anyway, just had to say a little bit of scripture there, folks. Yeah. So so, but anyway, back to the Red Skull. So. That is coming out at the same time as this other video. And, well, sorry, I don't know. I'm guessing, ish, same time-ish uh, of this other, this little Nas's video. This, or it's an inversion of the the good guy, the, the he, this message that he's giving these young people, I know is clean up your room, take responsibility for yourselves. Um, the, the, that responsibility message, which is a good message. But yeah. then, but then it's this oh ten rules, 
Let's just change it a little bit, guys, just to like make it like like ten. Also, because it's ten command, the ten commandments. They want right. he wanted to lose the ten commandments okay, at the right, same right. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't explain any of it. You, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it over. He, he but changes it's a, it slightly, but it, it he's the bad guy. He's the Nazi. Yeah, but but it's a it's a he's the worst than Nazi. Yeah, well, it's so it's funny because it's like. The Babylon Bee had the best take on this. They had, the, they always have the best take. Oh, they I didn't were see it. Such okay. geniuses. Uh, like I wish I could talk to these guys because they're just like they're really geniuses. Uh, so this is sometimes I talk about this like weird double inversion. How the word flips upside down, and then it flips back. This is a perfect example of that because, um, so a few years ago they because they want to deconstruct the hierarchy like they want to destroy the hierarchy they want to destroy any form of like social order any form of heroism that's what this all of these woke storytellers want to do um or at least replace them with like their own twisted version of that and so a few years ago they made captain america into a hydra agent oh yeah so they made captain america into a hydra agent where he was he he had all this time he had been secretly a hydra agent and so he said, hail Hydra. And it was like, everybody just flipped out and was and was saying, you're just totally destroying. And so, so in the same process of wanting to do that, they make the most like reasonable person into the Red Skull, who's basically saying, get your act together, you know, be responsible, don't blame others for your problems. All of this like really boring, regular advice that any person, you know, two generations ago would be telling people, but it's like the world is so upside down that just telling people normal things has become completely, completely impossible. And so, so the, 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 the Babylon Bee had showing Captain America say, hail Hydra. Like, well, if that's what Hydra is, then yes, I will submit to Hydra. And so it's like oh, this okay. weird thing where yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they tried oh, to play two games and then those two games like annulled, annulled themselves. That's pretty hail smart. Lobster Hydra. Yeah, so it's pretty smart. It's been it's been fun to watch like the how how Jordan and his fans have been flipping that back and you know showing pictures of the Red Skull saying you know pet a cat and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so radical, so radical. So okay, so so uh, sorry, Paul. Did you have any thoughts on the? Red I I I frankly, I've just seen some of the memes, but they're hilarious. I I don't know. I'm not enough of a comic book nerd to really keep up with it all. Not like I, our friend Jonathan here. <laughs> he's the simple dude. He's the yeah. simple dude. You've got to you got to keep up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do. I okay. So I just actually yesterday going back to modernity. How do you say it? modernity? It's, do I say it's it special? You do say it's special. Yes, you have a way of. There's some words that you say. Modernity. 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 I don't know. Modernity. modernity. Um, so maybe I'm just making that up. But anyway, um, you talk about modernity a lot. You've you've been reading that. I don't remember the name of it, but there's the the picture of the statue that's crumbling. Yeah, the iconoclast that that they found. Yeah, it's a it's a terrific book on the creation of the modern world from 1450 to 1650, uh, reformations, and it's. Oh that's, um, yes, that's the book. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've been learning a ton, especially about you know the way Vatican II, you know it's very interesting the way Vatican II, not Vatican II, the way the Council of Trent modernized the yeah. Roman Catholic Church, okay. and there's a lot of that history. I mean, when I was growing up, and then even trained in seminary, we were sort of educated in a fairly narrow way within our. Dutch Calvinism about here are all the safe narratives that the preachers go out and repeat. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, this has been a tremendous learning experience for me over the last few years. Well, 
Okay, so that's that's probably why I've it's been resonating with me the things that you've been saying in it because I just finished the um, discarded image. Um, oh yeah, yeah, book club uh, on on the Discord. So we just finished that yesterday, actually. Uh, the discussions of it and the the epilogue is is fantastic. I'd say it's one of the best parts of the book. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just, clear. It, I mean, sorry, the the whole thing is is great. It, it's it was it was not a thick book, but it was a thick book. So so the, the, in, in in the end, he. He talks about these models that we create. So the models that you're looking at in Reformations, I just finished looking at the medieval model in this, but then but then he kind of he sums it up in a way that is so let's look at the pattern and models. Yes, the though the medieval model was so very universally accepted in Western Europe, um, no model has actually been as accepted maybe as openly and universally as that particular model but we continue making new models and and he mentions this about how like but evidence will turn up when the inner need for it becomes sufficiently great like for the new model like new models will, will old models will be there's attention models will come up and the evidence yep. isn't made up it's just it's it's like that um it's the, discovered this, it's because just, of attention seen. because of what well, jonathan was talking to george asking. about Right. Yeah. Yeah. So who, what are the, what's the, what is the cultural context, context asking and what are we then pulling out and seeing to create these models? And, and then of course, if the pattern sings, it, it, I'm just going to read the last, the last, so, so it determines how much of that total truth will appear and what pattern it will suggest. And I'm like, pattern, Pajot. So, <laughs> so I just like, you'll always be. <laughs> it's also an alliteration, like patterns and pege pejo. So I, I just I'll never be able to suffer. There you go. There you go. Let the so, meme guys get a hold meme, of that. Let one. the symbolic memes guy go. <laughs> I can just see like a you know little little Oh, they'll be on it. They'll be on yeah. it. Patterns and like one of these things is not like the other. Well, this is there's something like, you know, uh Paul talked about providence and let's say that the providence of the story and how the story Almost there's something about how, you know, the the notion you can imagine the despair of the disciples and seeing Christ being crucified and then him dying. And then most of them not understanding how is this possible? How did it that it's happening this way? Um, and then almost falling into despair, hiding from the Roman authorities. And then suddenly, three days later, the surprise of the return and the surprise of this transformed version of what was there before, this fuller version of what was there before. And I think that that's what we're seeing happening right before our very eyes. And so the medieval pattern had a kind of synthesis that uh, was powerful and was, you know, was based on on phenomenological perception and, and this idea of saving the phenomena, but it was done, it was in the, it was, there was something naive about it. Like, let's be honest, there was something naive about it which then started to break in the modern age, started to fragment to a point where it seemed like this model was completely unbelievable and was completely insane and was a, just a, a complete uh, delusion from the people who believed it. And now we've come to the end of that. And the meaning of the medieval model is returning. Because that's what I was so going to 
it's it's the the meaning of the hierarchies of the spheres of the heavens the the this idea of these hierarchies of beings of how beings emerge into higher beings and how you know uh let's say spirits inform beings from above and create these this uh this fractal pattern of being now all of a sudden it's being it's like it's all of a sudden showing itself to us and science has reached that point all these these theories about how systems work about how you know any form of organizational system how it functions all of this is there and all of a sudden it's accessible to us again and i think that not not everybody understands the ramifications of that a lot of people are still afraid to go all the way but i think that like you know, I think that someone like J.P. Marceau, for example, um, and even and even let's say John Verveke, what he's doing, what I'm doing, this is this is I think that this is the this is it. Like it's going to take, it's going to happen. It's just going to it's going to start to happen more and more, and people are just automatically going to be able to think that way again. And most people are not even going to know how it happened, but it's going to it's going to start to to just become obvious. It's going, to, it's going to be. It's going to become obvious that this idea of attention, how it affects this hierarchy of being, and how it reveals to us this hierarchy. Um, JP keeps talking about this book called *The Revenge of Aristotle*, which I I probably should read. But that just that title is perfect because yeah, like, all of a sudden to say that the world is made of potential and that that potential has to be actualized into a, into identities. It's like you've got. Scientists who would just say, "Yeah, that's how it works," you know, that's that's cognitive sciences would would just say that's exactly how it works. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, <laughs> well, it's, well, he's right. Just, yeah. he, he's just right. And and it's it's you know I always illustrate it with the covering of the eyes because mm. in a sense what modernity was able to do was okay let's exclude the subject let's let's take let's imagine we can see the world and Peterson begins maps of meaning in this one imagine you can see the world as a as a as a realm of objects and what you do with is is you exclude the viewer and we've gotten to a point where we realize that we're just covering one eye or the other and we want to see through both eyes mm. and in or if you're going to do that well now you are you are realizing that yeah it's attention you are going to you're going to see what you're looking at. It sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's how it works. And and like I said, I think that it's such a, in a way, it's such a fundamental change uh, that just like one of my contentions is that what happened during the Copernican revolution is that there had been a shift in thinking that was so profound that people didn't even realize it. So by the time Copernicus was talking about the, the the planets the way he was and the, by the time Galileo was doing it the change had already happened and they didn't even totally understand what they were arguing about mm -hmm. and I think that the the depth of the change that is happening right now is at that level and you know I talk like I talked with my brother Mathieu about his book and you know I mean both of us would have wished that he could have sold you know a large amount of his books but obviously that's not what happened you know he sold a few thousand books but I I told him I said what's going to happen Mathieu is that in 10 years, people are gonna are going to start thinking that way and they won't even know where it comes from. Like they won't even realize because it's just it's just gonna seep into culture and it's gonna un it's gonna start to underlie the way people see the world and it's going to kind of happen in a in a magical way. I don't I don't know what other word to use. Well, and this is what was happening during the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. The okay, okay. I I wanted to say this little quote before 
you go into this, Paul, because it, it's sort of why I brought up Reformations, the book that you brought up, and then and then I won't interrupt you anymore. So, so uh, again... Just interrupt but, me all you want, Andrea. I, I'm actually like, I've, I've held off this... I'm from New Jersey. We interrupt each other all the time. It makes me feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I'm a nice Canadian girl. So. Anyway, so in the discussion, the the book club discussion about the discarded image, we were we kind of ended up going in this like what's after the medieval model, and and one of uh, one of my friends mentioned like mechanical printing press, mechanical worldview, and that's where that she she was saying that's kind of where that started, and now we're coming to the end of that, and that's sort of what it seems like is relevant to what you guys are talking about like this that must be what you just described jonathan is like the seeds i think what you were just like about it's just going to seep in it's not short term but it's the long term yeah and 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 i want to throw it back to and you just see it in retrospect like you couldn't on i don't think that people i think they had an inkling like that that uh that occam for example that the way that occam was presenting reality they had an inkling that there was something wrong about it there was something off and that this wasn't this wasn't right uh and so they kind of fought it but it it just happened the change happened and the idea of pushing god up into the heavens and disconnecting god from the world completely then it that's what happens it leaves the world to become this mechanical arbitrary yeah, thing. Yeah. And then and then the the fruits of that don't appear right away. It takes a while for the fruits to appear. Um, and by the time the fruits are showing themselves, it's like it's too late. You can't stop this machine anymore. You can't stop this freight train. It's just it's it's happening. So right. yeah. Right. Which is which is what happened in the Protestant Reformation. There mm -hmm. was, you know, Jan Hus, uh, Wycliffe, there were all these manifestations that happened before. And in a sense the Roman Catholic Church and the um and the civil leaders were sort of playing whack-a-mole on things, but it had an outbreak. It's not unlike a virus, and that outbreak then spread. Now, it didn't spread everywhere because eventually the Catholic Church and in, in, in the Council of Trent figured out, in a sense, how to adapt to modernity in the Council of Trent. They regularized—again, you know, it's again, I, I didn't know any of this history—they regularized all of this stuff. They yeah. took out they took out the extremes mm. from all the miracles. And and in a sense, what happens in in the Council of Trent is they they okay, we're done with the Middle Ages, and now modern Catholicism is going to begin. And and that's how they were able to not allow the Protestant Reformation to consume all of Europe. But of course, Protestantism had its own thing to play. And of course the Radical Reformation, which were the Anabaptists. In many ways, the Anabaptists kept losing battles, but in some ways kept winning wars, because many of the ideas of the Anabaptists have, you know, even if you listen to the Roman Catholics have their own fight going on, but listen to a guy like Bishop Barron, so much of stuff has—he's he's been able to, you know, basically integrate all of this other stuff, which is why he can— do what he does. I mean, he's a brilliant man. Yeah. But this is this is the process. But again, back to my point that it, it's not unlike the pandemic. I remember when, you know, it was March when things were starting to, you know, when things finally closed down, and a lot of people said, well, you know, it's here already. It's and that's that's where we're at, too. And that's yeah. why the artists and Peterson said this many times. That's why the artists manifest at first, because artists are 
doing a different thing. It's they're you know, if you look at good basketball players, they don't think they don't think with a certain part of their brain to play basketball <laughs> because it would mess them up. Yeah. You know, you want to have a basketball player miss a free throw, you know, get them thinking. Um, right. And it's the same with artists. And yeah. so, you know, that's why it always manifests first in the arts. Okay. I think, I don't know. I'm not the artist. He is. Okay. Artist. Yes. Thoughts. Well, no, I think so. I think that especially, even especially in this change that's happening now, it, it in a way almost has to be led by artists because it has to appear as an embodied reality, you know, and as a participative reality. And so it actually has to leave the heady scholar space, you know, and, and kind of land into stories, into images mm -hmm. that people can identify with. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think that that's, that's the, the best way or the most, it's just going to happen on its own. Like I said, it's not, it's, and it's already, it was already there before, you know, the artists were the ones leading culture where there was music or, you know, in the early 20th century was painters, but then it became mostly music. I would say in our generation that they're the ones who were leading the changes in thinking. And so, and so it's still going to be that I think. And film. I mean, film. Yeah. Film for sure. Film is such a powerful medium. Yeah. I mean, when you think about how it's music and it's visual and it's um, incarnate in a, you know, in a, in a way. And now that with, with the internet, we have this just proliferation of artistry out there. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, I am realizing that our time is probably coming to an end because it's been a while and yeah. I don't want to keep you guys and but I I, I just want to end on, on one last question and it's I mean it's going to be really short so don't worry about it <laughs> you gave me a long answer <laughs> but um yeah so the participation that's something going back to the uh your your conversation with uh Jordan uh, Jonathan um like you could always go to church. <laughs> now, now he said it. I didn't say I know, it. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. And you're like, I was gonna say it, but but the you, the thing about theosis is participation with the divine. The thing about the church is is the participation in in the body of Christ within the community, your community that you are in. Why is participation? so important and why are what are we to do in this space of individualism really short question like not a, not a thing yeah just a little one yeah well i mean that's how reality is that's how it works i mean the you know when saint paul talks about the body uh you know working together towards the head that's how everything functions everything that has being needs to have its parts participating in its whole Right, whether it's a pen or whatever it is, like for if if the parts of my pen don't participate towards the whole of the pen, toward the identity of the pen, then I'm going to throw it out because it's not it's going to be useless. It's not going to write, and so that's how that's actually how reality works. And it's a it's true, <coughs> it's true for things. It's true for families. It's true for cities. It's true for any level of being. Uh, that's how it works. And so if we don't if we don't have participative, if we don't have ways to participate in higher beings in terms of communities then we're going to we're going to fragment and we're going to break apart and then 
And then we're going to become fodder for something else. We're going to become potential for another identity to just smash us. Uh, and I mean, think about you can just think about it in terms of a, an, an, an ancient city that doesn't work together to to build the wall, to, to to do whatever it needs to do and to live together. And then there's an enemy at the gate, but they haven't they haven't participated in the life of the city. So the enemy just marches right in and there's nothing you can do to stop them. Oh, they built their house in the sand instead of the rock. <laughs> there you go. Well, they built they tried to build alone instead of together. Yeah. Right. And so, right. Okay, because the the I mean the, I mean there's a there's a deep crisis in in the church, especially the Protestant church, in that all of these things because this is so deeply entwined with Protestantism, that that we have to you know we have to work this through. But now when you think about Verveke's meaning crisis, it, the the meaning crisis has everything to do with participation. Because it seems the way human beings are made to live is by—Jonathan well, said it again and again in his conversation with Jordan—by worship, because worship is attention plus caring or love. That's worship. And, you know, Heidegger notes that caring—you know, without—the meaning crisis is, well, there's nothing to care about because there's no self. And the reason there's no self is because our self is always borrowed from the origin of self, which is which is which is God. And so that's that's the participation. And if we if we are not participating in the in the how to say in we if we're not participating in God, as I think I think Jonathan's response to the freedom question I think was absolutely tremendous. We are going to look to participate in other gods, mm -hmm. and the problem with all of those other gods are that they are functionally we turn those other gods into idols, and they will never satisfy mm -hmm. because our hearts are not satisfied until we have everything. And so, okay, I'm going to be as I'm going to be a great basketball player, but you know that runs out when I hit 35. Or I'm going to be a great this. Or I'm going to be a great that. It's all fragmented, and so we we long for participation, and we try participating in all of these sub gods, turning them into idols. And once we learn that we can only finally find, as Augustine said, satisfaction by participating in the God, then suddenly all of the other things, and you know, what did Jesus say at the end of Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be, you know, given to you. Yeah. Because if you if you look to the other gods, you're, 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 you're going to have a meaning crisis, and you're going to become slaves to those other gods. So you must be slave to the God, and then all of the other things are available to you. Yeah, and it just—if you think about it, just the idea that if you if you submit yourself to the 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 source of all reality, if you don't, if you, the word God bothers you at least at the outset, if you submit yourself to the source of all reality, then everything lines itself up. Everything gets aligned in that in that that hierarchy, and then the the, the elements of being stop to fight amongst each other so much. They actually start to cooperate, you know, towards because one of the problems with these little gods is that they fight amongst each other. Mm. And you feel it in yourself 
where you feel pulled, you feel ripped apart between different desires that you have. And you see it in society where people start to be ripped apart politically, ripped apart in terms of ideology, in terms of identities. Um, and so the solution is, of course, to 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 join ourselves and to, you know, to to submit ourselves to the highest, at least, you know. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, OK, I think this is I mean, we could we could go for another hour, but I think that this is a good space to to um, to to be done for now. But but I actually have one more question for you, Jonathan. Specifically. <laughs> Are you, I know I'm so bad at like I'm like I lied. Sorry. Are you gonna do more video game videos? Because like I because you, you guys, it's so funny because a lot of people are asking that, but at the same time, for some reason, the one I did didn't get a lot of views. So, and I think maybe what? it's because I the Donkey Kong one. No, it got like I think it barely got like ten thousand views. Go I watch think. it, everybody. And go watch the Donkey Kong video. Anyways, so yes, I can't. I will definitely. I will definitely. I'll I'll probably make at least one more because I promised that I would make one on on uh, like Super Mario as as because it's really a fairy tale if you look at even the right. the structure of the game mm -hmm. but it also has a lot in it uh, it has a real an intense uh, let's say it has a lot in it and so I probably will talk about it but I'm not in a hurry just because there's so many things to talk about anyways. I know, I I guess I've just been like, you're like, and I'll be doing another one. And I'm like, oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, and then like four then months like... later or whatever. Yeah. We only okay. have one, Jonathan. Let other people go out and make these videos. Make your, make, right. Yeah, make your, your YouTube okay. videos. Jo video make game. a better video than Jonathan. Yes. Just go out and do it. Please. Go ahead and try. Absolutely. So this, is, this is the whole, I mean, to end, the, the only reason why I've, you know, sneakily... Um, tricked you all to come in is so I can ask Jonathan will you please bring my message to Jordan Peterson please that's what it's all about all about it's the whole thing it was I, I didn't care about that all I cared about was can you please send this book or this message or this yeah, it's only Jordan would Peter, read this only, book that's right it's only because I'm like can you yeah. please get this to Peter's heal the world that way so. <laughs> we'll make it all better <laughs> okay okay that's a good place to end okay guys um i don't actually know how to sorry thank you for coming on my show <laughs> very I welcome it was it. And I don't yeah it was a lot of fun my new my new technology i have to look up how to stop the recording so is this the you i mean you can just edit it you might have to i will i will thank you though thank you for coming on okay yeah so i have to press shift window and two if you would subscribe, that would be the bee's knees.